Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you into weird shit? Yeah? You into cryptids? What about hauntings? Yeah, I've got a ghost for you. Oh, you like overworld the beans. Me too. Check out all these aliens. We have plenty. How do you feel about a good legend? Want to hear about spooky happenings? Yeah, you do. Let us show you what we've got. Hey guys, grab a drink and join us, Amanda and Sean, every week while we dive into the strange and haunting topics that have piqued our interest. See you over at The Haunted and the Strange, wherever you get your podcasts. Stay spooky. Welcome to the What the Fuck Is That podcast, where we ask the age-old question of what the fuck is that? I'm your host, Jess. I'm Jen. And this is a special fucking rainstorm edition of What the Fuck Is That, apparently. Apparently so. It wasn't really raining, and I was like, oh, it'll be fine. So we recorded a little bit, we were gonna wait it out, and it's just gone like, nah, we're just gonna rain more. So, you know what? We're just gonna have some, like ambient sound ambient noise it's relaxing your voices are fucking relaxing you're there welcome there you go you're welcome you filthy animals <laughs> i just hope it stops raining by the time i leave here yeah that would be nice yeah but uh it's valentine's day happy valentine's day it will not be valentine's it, day when this comes it will out. not no but the day that we are recording it, it is Valentine's kiss, Day. kiss, kiss, love, love. We still love you regardless of what day it is. We love you. It's also Ash Wednesday. All the days. That's nice for you. It is for me, yeah. <laughs> no. I literally, dude, okay. I <laughs> I literally saw a TikTok today of pre- preacher, priest, what? I always forget what it is for you. A priest? Okay, priest. Um, <laughs> Being like, hey. The ashes that you received on Ash Wednesday are not cremated remains. And I went, excuse me, ma'am. I. Wait, it was a woman? It was a woman. Oh, she is not a priest. Oh, I don't, she was wearing the little thingy. She's clergy, like, she. so she's not Catholic. Oh, okay. Well, she was wearing the little thing. Okay. I just assume that the little thing. I'm assuming that's like a, I think it's a Lutheran thing. I think she's a probably a I pastor or preacher man. of Lutheran. She was just talking about Lutheranism. Ash yeah, because Lutherans do the Ash Wednesday oh, okay. too. But anyways, whatever the fuck she is, she was talking about how the ashes you receive on Ash Wednesday are not cremated remains. And I go, do people do people really think that it's cremated remains? Because I knew it wasn't. Yeah, it, I didn't know what it was, but I was like. 99.9% sure it was in human remains. No, it's the ashes from the palms from the year before. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what they, they burn it and then use the ashes from that. that Did people, just, do people really think I that it's dead people that we're putting on our heads? Can you say that again? Sorry, I got too excited. <laughs> do, uh, do people really think that uh, we just put dead people on our heads i mean i would fucking hope not that would be a little creepy like even for us catholics i know like i was raised christian and i even know that i didn't know what it was until you told me but i knew it was (laughs) dead people at least i was like 99.9 percent sure yeah no it's not it's it's definitely not (laughs) um But this year, I thought that I was going to have to run all over town to freaking get my ashes today. Um, But work actually ended up bringing in a deacon. Oh, that's awesome, though. And I was like, why couldn't they have done this before? Like, it saved me so much. Yeah, it just makes more sense. It's like, oh, okay. It really does. And they're like, oh, we've done this before. No, you haven't. I've been there two years. I've been here, yeah. (laughs) When? 
Can you tell me when? Exactly. I was like... Maybe it was like pre-COVID that they did it, and it's just been like the first year since COVID probably, that they brought it back. I don't know. Probably. Because I was like, my first year here on Ash Wednesday, I went to Mass down the street for lunch. Yeah. And like, it was just the Ashes portion of it. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, I went with the friend of mine uh, to Mass after work. So, I know, like, we didn't have those options because we had to choose, like, a different place each yeah. time. And, like, I don't know. I'm just like, no, you haven't. It's the At least not. It's convenience of it. Yeah. yeah. You're like, I remember having to go to different places. Yeah. But, I mean, it was nice today that I didn't have to. I didn't have to worry about that. That makes sense. I got nice. it done at work. Woohoo. Yeah. Go working things. Ugh. <laughs> oh. Dude, I have, I don't know if other people have had it come across them, but the Has Been Hotel, it's been all over my For You page, and I'm like, fuck it, I'll watch it, fine, I'll fucking watch it. I love it so much. Is that that weird anime thing you make me watch? Yes, it's not, it's not anime, it's just animated, but. Whatever it is. You didn't even get to the good music parts of it. The first episode is really fucking weird, I will give you that. It's just so disturbing. Yeah. It's set in hell. I mean, no, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I like the plot and the Uh theory of it. It's just actually watching it makes my brain hurt. I think it's so cute. I think that's the (laughs) difference between ADHD and autism here. And the music. Oh, the music is like, what if we took Broadway tunes and made them, like, poppier? Yeah. I love it. It's so good. They've been stuck in my head nonstop. I've been listening to them nonstop. It's a problem. You're a problem. Well, you know how I have to hyperfixate on music until I can sing every song from the album. This is very true. So that's yeah. what I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah. You and I are two very different people. Because for you, you find a song or an artist and like you have to listen to that whole album and learn it. As to where for me, I find a song, I just listen to that one song on repeat. And, like, it'll be a couple of songs that oh, I'll just do on wrong. repeat. Sometimes it'll just be a song. And I have to listen to it over and over and over again until I feel like I can get it perfect. Yeah. I don't know. But we're also music people. Yeah, like, that doesn't help either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure other people are like, what the fuck is wrong with you two? A lot. <laughs> Let's be honest. A lot. That's fair. Yeah. (laughs) So with that, if you like whatever the fuck this is, be sure to head over to our Instagram. Our Instagram is WTFIsThatPod. On our Instagram, you will find the link to our link tree. Our link tree houses all of our special little goodies from our Patreon to our Amazon wishlist to our campfire stories, which we are taking at all times. And we have some big news. We are now available everywhere podcasts live. So that means anywhere you want to listen to our podcast, you can hear our lovely voices. And guess what? That also now includes YouTube. We're on YouTube. We're on TikTok. We're on all the things. So make sure you are following us everywhere and subscribing. Again, And as always, the very best way to help us grow the podcast is just by telling a friend. So, like, if you're stuck at a coffee shop and it's raining and you're just like, I'm going to stand here for a couple of minutes until the rain just clears up a little bit just so I'm not completely drenched when I get to the car. And there's no one else really in the coffee shop, so you're just chatting up the Cubarista there. And you're like, yeah, what are you into? And she goes, oh, I'm into, like, weird shit. And you're like, awesome, I also like weird shit, and I listen to this podcast called WTF Is That Podcast. And she goes, oh my gosh, that sounds so good. And you can go, I know, it sounds great, right? And then you go, hey, can I have a piece of paper and a pen, and I'll write down the name for you so you don't forget the name of the podcast and she goes sure so she gets the piece of paper and the pen and you write down the name of the podcast and then you also write down the number and give it to her and then you go on a date and you fall in love and get married and you have us at your wedding because you just both love WTF is that podcast so bad and with all of that magical Valentine's Day love let's get into this week's horrifying episode that was a lot it just kept going yeah half of it was planned I could tell. (laughs) (laughs) 
Hey, Jen. Hey, Jess. Do you know about the Cecil? The fuck is the Cecil? Ooh, I'm so excited to tell you! Which we actually do know about the Cecil a little bit Yeah, too much. we do. Um, a little bit too much. But for those of you who don't know, welcome. We're going to talk all about this beautiful, horrifying, murdery building. Um, yeah, so here we go! Off to Murderland! So the Cecil opened at 640 Main Street in downtown LA in 1927. It was opened by hotelier William Banks Hayner, and it's also like three other guys who helped him with it, but I couldn't really find their names. It was just mostly William, and some of them were like, yeah, there were also some other guys, and I was like, okay... That's cool, I guess. Okay, but can we go back to that word? Hotelier? Hotelier? (laughs) I know, it's so good. It's such a good word. (laughs) I didn't even know such a word existed. I didn't either. And I forgot I had that in these notes. And so I read it again and I was like, oh, it's a magical word. (laughs) We're learning vocabulary here. 10 out of 10. I wish I had this for my SAT, but here we are. We're learning it at 27 on a fucking podcast. The Cecil was meant to be a destination hotel for international businessmen and social elites. Which, again, makes sense if you're putting it in downtown LA. Which is so funny because of the way that it looks now. Or, like, the area that it is in now. Oh, it's insane. You'll see how it takes the plummet. Okay, great. Hayner spent $1 million on the 700-room Beau Arts-style hotel. So this was complete with marble lobby, stained glass windows, palm trees inside, big opulent staircases. It was meant to feel like a lavished, beautiful 1920s place. Okay. Still, it's really hard to picture. Not really. Okay, so if... Well, like, I mean, I've seen like pictures the of the inside. Gorgeous. Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous, but I'm saying, like, it's hard to picture that it's, like, this great up-and-coming place, like, that it was meant to be when we know what it is now. Yeah. No, I get you. So it's actually took that change because two years after the hotel opened, the Great Depression hit. Ah, oh, shit. And the entire area around the... hotel. And the entire area around the hotel just completely collapsed and became known as Skid Row. Oh, geez. So the area just took a major nosedive because everything was crashing. People weren't traveling. People weren't spending in excess. Yeah. There was just a lot going on. And so a hotel like this just kind of plummeted because there wasn't a need. Well, yeah, it was was a depression. Yeah. You know. You know, the whole depression of it all. Yeah. Now we're in the 1940s, and business began to pick back up again because, you know, we're out of the Great Depression of it all. Oh, great. Love that for us. Don't we love history? Which, like, side note, if you do like history, I'm starting another side podcast. I know. I said I don't have enough going on. It's called So That's How That Happened podcast, and essentially we're just talking about all of history and the gossip behind it, and episodes are coming out soon, and it'll come out twice a week. And yeah, you should watch it because it'll be great and fun. And yes, but back to this hotel history. So again, we're back in the 1940s now. Everything's starting to pick up. But by this point, the hotel had become just a hub for drug deals and criminal activities and prostitutes to take their clients to. Yeah, sounds about right. And for the area, it makes sense. Yeah, it does. That's just what's going on and that's what's available to them it doesn't matter that it just happened to be yeah but it doesn't matter that it just happened to be this opulent grand hotel they're like well it's here definitely isn't being used for what it was meant no not at all as time goes on the hotel kind of took on its own identity i want to say okay And people began referring to the Cecil as the suicide. Oh, geez. Okay. Which, like, not really a name that you want to get. That's not, that does not evoke confidence in your hotel if it's called the suicide. 
No, I would not want to stay at a hotel like that. No, no, thank you. There were at least 16 different murders, suicides, and unexplained paranormal events that have taken place in the hotel. Jeez. Yeah. So just to give them all their due, because that's very important to us here, we're going to go through all of them because they all tie in together in some way and they are all just batshit. So let's just go through all 16, shall we? Okay. Starting at the very beginning, we are at November 19th, 1931. So this is our first known victim of the hotel. Okay. This was W.K. Norton. He was a 47-year-old man who was found dead in his room after ingesting poison tablets. Oh, he just randomly decided to ingest poison tablets. Just do it, because why not? Mind you, he checked into the Cecil a week prior under the name James Willis from Chicago. Why would he wait a week? That's my question. It's just a little odd. I feel like if you're going to check into a hotel, maybe a day or two, but a week seems like a lot. Not only that, but why also would you check in under a different name? I don't know. If you're planning on killing yourself. I don't know. Maybe they didn't want it to get back to their family. Like, they just wanted to be done and be unidentified. I don't know. Huh. Okay. On to number two. This was September 1932. Benjamin Dodich was a 25-year-old man. Man. He was a 25-year-old man. Found dead by the maid from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head, and he did not leave a suicide note. Uh, So I don't know if the first one left a suicide note or not, but Uh this second one specifically said he did not. Okay. How long after he checked in? Does it it say? say. It didn't say? No, it didn't say. Some of these I just have, like, very few details. details. Yeah. Yeah, understandable. Okay. Huh. Okay. Yeah, so that's number two. That's interesting. Okay. On to number three. This was July 26, 1934. Sergeant Louis D. Borden was a 53-year-old former Army Medical Corps sergeant. He was found dead in his room at the Cecil after slashing his own throat with a razor. He had left several notes, one of which stated having poor health as the reason for his suicide. Okay. Which that one I can understand. That yeah. one seems like a totally normal thing to have happen. Not only that, but if he was an army surgeon, like, can you imagine the shit that he saw? Yeah, and he kind of knows what his body's going to go through, and I'm sure he just didn't want to go through that. Yeah. So that one seems less weird to me than the first two do. Not only that, but people didn't know about PTSD back then, too. So, like, that definitely could have played a factor. Yeah. So. Yeah, so this one, normal. First two, sketchy as fuck. Yeah, 100%. Fucking sketch. On to number four, we are now at March of 1937. This was Grace E. Margot. She was a 25-year-old woman who fell from the ninth story window. Okay. Her fall was broken by telephone wires, which were wrapped around her body. And she later died at the now-demolished Georgia Street Receiving Hospital. So, you have to think about that. That means that she fell, got tangled up in these wires around her body, survived long enough, and got out of that long enough to then die at the hospital. That's excruciating. Yes. Because they, I'm sure they had to cut her out yeah. to get her into an ambulance to get her to the hospital. How did she fall out of the window in the first place? Was it purposeful or was she pushed? So actually police were unable to determine if Margot's death was a result of an accident or suicide. Huh. Which okay. is sketchy as fuck. Yeah. I'm just saying. Very. So remember some of these things. So like 
the poison tablets, the suicides, the falling out of windows. As we move through these 16 victims, we are now on to victim number five, which happened May 1939. This was Er. That's a hard name. Irwin. Irwin. <laughs> Irwin. Irwin C. Niblet. Wow, your country really comes out. Irwin C. Niblet. <laughs> I need to stop laughing. He's dead. I'm um, sorry. <laughs> we're not nice. I mean, he died in 1939, but like maybe we shouldn't laugh. We already know we're going to hell. It's I fine. I mean, at least we're upgraded to a junior deluxe suite now. Always need to reference the Gilmore Girls. I have to have one an episode. I'm contractually obligated to myself to do it. To yourself? <laughs> I was about to ask to whom? To me. <laughs> so Irwin was a 39-year-old Navy officer. He was found dead in his room after ingesting poison. Again. Again with a poison. So that's two. There's also a thing with... Like, military? This is our third military person. No. Second. Second. Sorry. I thought Benjamin was military. He's not. No. Yes. Second. Okay. No, yes, no, yes, no. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Moving on to victim number six. This is now January of 1940. Dorothy Serger was a 45-year-old retired teacher. She had checked into the hotel under the name Evelyn Brent. What is with people checking in under assumed names? I don't know. Like, what are they planning to accomplish? I don't know. So Dorothy ingested poison on January 10th, 1940, while staying at the Cecil, again with the poison. That's number three. That's number three. It's weird. It really is. So at least Serger had sent notes to relatives beforehand saying she was going to end her life. Which again, at that point, if you've already sent letters and people already know, why are you checking in under a pseudonym? Yeah. Just so people can't find you, but at that point, if they're trying to find you, they would have to call, like, several hotels. Do you know when she checked in and when? I don't. It just says when she ingested the poison. Okay. So I'm not sure when she checked in. Interesting. Dorothy eventually succumbed to the effects of the poisoning and died at General Hospital. That's sad. Yeah, the fact that she didn't even die there, like, she got transported, it's like, oof. Moving on to victim number seven. This is September 1944. This one I'm putting a trigger warning on. Um, This involves infanticide. So if you can't hear that, move on to the next one. We understand. Dorothy Jean Purcell was 19 years old and sharing a room at the Cecil with her boyfriend, who is also a shoe salesman. Ben Levine, who was 38 years old. No. What do you, as a 38-year-old man, have in common with a 19-year-old? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. No. That's, no. That's 19 years apart. That's ick. I, again, I'm all for an age gap. But, but not almost when you're 20 years. I don't even care about that. It's the fact that she is 19. That's true, yeah. And you are 38. Barely legal. Yeah, no. Knows nothing about the world. No. No. Absolutely not. So, apparently Dorothy Jean didn't know she was pregnant and had gone into labor in the bathroom of their hotel room. She later testified that she did not want to disrupt sleep her... She later testified that she didn't want to disrupt her sleeping boyfriend, so she went to the bathroom and gave birth to a baby boy. Thinking that the baby was dead, she threw him out the window, and he landed on the roof of an adjacent building. Dorothy was charged with murder. Three psychiatrists testified that she was mentally confused at the time of the incident, and in January 1945, she was found not guilty by reason of insanity. What? Yeah. Okay, one, how does someone give birth 
that quietly to where you don't disrupt your partner. Yeah, I'm like, what? I, as somebody who has had two children physically come out of me, like, what? Like, who? What do you mean? They had... What kind of superpower is that? The nurses, when I was having my oldest, came into the room and were like, hey, do you want some drugs? Because we can hear you down the hall. <laughs> like, I don't understand how you're just like, I'm just going to go into the bathroom and bloop, have a baby, and then throw it out a window. Like, there was no crying. Your boyfriend wasn't alerted that there was suddenly baby crying. But, like, why is that your first instinct to throw it out the window? If, Obviously, even if you think it's dead, dead, throw it out the window. Like, what? Even if you think it's dead, like, why would you throw it out the window. And I understand pregnancy hormones are weird and make you do weird things. That's not one of them. No, not at all. Insane. And the fact that she was then found not guilty by reason of insanity. I I don't know. It's giving big um that case that's coming back recently cuz now they're suing the mom. Of the high school cheerleader who had the baby in an ER bathroom. Oh, Like, gave yeah. birth and then threw him in the garbage. Yeah. Because now I think the mom is being sued because the daughter was a minor. And they're saying they had no idea that she was pregnant. And it's like, no, everyone knew that you knew. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it's a whole thing. I'm excited to hear more about that case. Maybe we'll cover it one day. Oh, that'd be fun. Okay, and now we are halfway down the murder train at murder number eight. That's not murder. And now we are halfway down the death train at death number eight. This happened November 1947. Robert Smith was a 35-year-old man who died after jumping out of the Cecil's seventh floor window. Again, with the window. Again, with the jumping out of the windows. So this one, I don't know, it didn't say anything about if they thought it was an accident, if they thought it was suicide. Okay, after the first one, why wouldn't you make sure that windows don't open again? Yeah, maybe we should, like, fix that. Because, I mean, if you go to any other hotel now, windows don't open. I mean, it was the 1940s of it all. I mean, that's fair, but, like... They were just like, oh no, another one. We really should do something about that. I mean, probably. Flat on the ground. They're like, man, we really should screw in those windows. (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) On to go smoke tobacco with the boys. Oh, my God. I don't know what they did in the 1940s. (laughs) Played stick hoop. I don't know. Played what? Stick (laughs) hoop. That's an and that's why they drink reference. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> let's get on with it. To whatever the fuck this is. Haha, <laughs> get it? Like our show? <laughs> Very funny. Okay. So funny, I forgot to laugh. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> You're welcome. I was just being a helpful friend. Fuck off. <laughs> Okay, on to death number nine. This was October 22nd of 1954. Helen Gurney was a 55-year-old San Francisco stationery firm employee. She jumped out of the seventh floor window and landed on top of the Cecil's marquee. Again, with the jumping about the windows. Oh, just wait, because a week prior, she had checked into the hotel under the name Margaret Brown. Why? So we have the jumping out of the windows... We have the waiting a while before doing anything. And then we have... The assumed name. The assumed name. Like, what is going on that they're all checking in under these false names and then waiting a week? Because, again, if you're going to do it in my head... It'd be like a day or two. Yeah. And not only that, that's the second one out of the seventh floor. It's very specific. Yeah. So there's one from the ninth and two from the seventh now. That's major ick. As we move in to murder number 10, this was February 11th of 1962. Julia Frances Moore was a 50-year-old woman who jumped out of the 8th floor window and landed in a second-story interior light well. So she had actually jumped, while the other ones jumped from, like, the front, 
she had jumped from her bedroom window. I just still don't understand why we haven't done something about the windows. (laughs) This seems to be a consistent problem with your windows. So, 7th, 8th, and ninth floors. Yep. We all have jumpers out of. Avoid. So, the crazier part about Julia is that she didn't leave a suicide note, but she... However, amongst her possessions was a bus ticket from St. Louis. So, again, you're coming all the way from St. Louis. Yeah. And then waiting a week to then kill yourself? That doesn't seem right. Because then listen to the other things in her possession, because it also doesn't seem indicative of somebody who would take their own life. Okay. So we have the bus ticket. She also had 59 cents in change and an Illinois banknote showing a balance of $1,800, which in today's money is about 18000 Wow, that's a lot. So that, to me, doesn't scream somebody who... Wanted to kill themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Which, again, I understand people can struggle in all different kinds of ways. Yeah. But if you are that set up, I'm surprised that you checked into a hotel, waited a week, and then jumped out of a window. Like, to have the banknote there with her instead of, like, I know some people who are, like, who have contemplated suicide or who have attempted suicide or who have just done it. Like, they just start putting, like, they start dispersing their money or their possessions. Yeah, they like, wouldn't stuff keep like it that. on them. Yeah, they would be like, oh, this can go to this person or this can go to that person. Like, all this stuff. Because they're like, I'm not going to need it. Like, I know I'm yeah. not going to need it. So I might as well give it out while I can. Exactly. So to have that banknote on her is very interesting. And again, it's the whole week thing. It's... Yeah. And it would be less weird if it was less of a consistency of them checking in and then a week later. And jumping. Yeah. The jumping thing is also gross and I don't care for it. Yeah. So moving on to number 11. This was October 12th, 1962. Pauline Otten, I think is how you say it. O-T-T-O-N. Otten. Love it. Pauline was a 27-year-old woman. She had just had an argument with her estranged husband, Dewey. And he had left the room. She was clearly distraught because she jumped out of the window of her ninth floor room. Again, with the ninth floor. And the jumping. Is that her third ninth? Yes. Or second? That's the third ninth floor. So we have ninth twice, eighth once, seventh twice. No, so ninth three times, seventh twice, and eighth once. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. wild. Oh, it gets wilder. Because when Pauline had jumped, she happened to land on 65-year-old <gasps> George Giannini. It killed them both instantly. That poor man. He was just a sweet old man, just walking around, minding his own business, and then literally a person falls on top of him and kills him. Could you imagine if you're, like, that's how your loved one died? That's just, like, an act of God. I can't fucking... Like, there's no other explanation. Like, just a freak accident. They just happen to be walking down the street at the wrong time. Wrong place, wrong time, wrong everything. Like, fuck. It gets even better because there... It gets even better. There were no witnesses to this happening, so police initially thought that Pauline and George had committed suicide together. Why? Why would an old man... I don't know, but... A 27-year-old. But also, what are the odds that she jumps from the window and crushes and kills him? I mean, you're not wrong. So, but I mean, like, the automatic assumption would be, like, well, clearly they jump together if they're right there together. The fact that there were no witnesses, though, is very interesting. Well, it's also Skid Row, so... Fair. No one might have seen anything or wanted to talk. That's fair. Police quickly determined that Giannini 
had just been walking down the street because he still had his hands in his pockets at the time of his death. He was also wearing his shoes. So if he had jumped, his shoes would have fallen off during the fall or during impact. And yeah. his hands wouldn't have been his, in his pockets. His hands wouldn't have been in his pockets, yeah. Wow. Could you imagine figuring that out, though? Like, actually looking at the scene and being like, his hands are still in his pockets. He still has his shoes on. And then just having that zap realization of, oh, oh. shit. He was just fucking there. So that one's a twofer. That is. Wow. Okay. That doesn't even count. Like, as a twofer, it doesn't even count to the 16. The Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so we are now at number 12. This is June 4th, 1964. Pigeon Goldie Osgood was a 65-year-old woman killed by Jock B. Ellinger. Sure. We'll go with that who was 29 years old at the time. <coughs> My God. You, you okay over there? Yeah, throat's starting to hurt again. So Osgood was a retired telephone operator, and she had found, she was found dead in her room. And again, trigger warning for what's about to go down. This is an R word. Yeah. So she had been... R-worded, stabbed, beaten, and her room was just completely ransacked. Jeez. However, Osgood was well-known in the area, and she had earned the nickname of Pigeon Goldie because she always fed birds in the nearby Pershing Square. Aww. Literally hours after her murder, Ellinger was seen in Pershing Square in bloodstained clothes. He was immediately arrested and charged with Osgood's murder, but was later cleared of the crime. What? Yeah. I don't know how, I don't know why, but literally her murder remains unsolved. But it sounds like you solved it, so I don't know. Why are you walking around in bloodstained clothing? There is no yeah. way that you can explain away bloodstained clothing. Like, she was just a retired little old lady feeding the pigeons trying to live her best life. Yeah. And you went and fucked that up. And then didn't even get anything about it. Like, that was... You're just like, okay. What? Yeah. Insane. Moving on to number 13. This was December 20th, 1975. So this is an unidentified woman, and she checked into the hotel under the name Allison Lowell. So she checked into the hotel on December 16th. Uh Uh-huh. And then jumped from the 12th floor window, landing on the second roof, landing on the second floor roof on December 20th. So four days after she checked in. Okay, there's a lot to unpack there. One, another jumper. Another jumper, but a different floor. Yeah, I was about to say two. The 12th floor, though. But she had specifically gone there because she was staying in room 327. So she would have only been on the third floor. Okay. So she had specifically gone up to a higher floor. Okay. Um, three, the amount of days. You can kind of justify four days, but at the same time, not really. I think... It's only suspicious because we have had the consistency of all of them checking in for a week. Yeah, and then the assumed names. Yeah, I don't... The assumed names get me every time. And so... over and over and over again. This woman's still unidentified? Still unidentified. Interesting. Only known as Allison Lowell because that is what she checked in under. And they said she's approximately 23 years old at the time of her death. Wow. Yep. Moving on to number 14. This happened September 1st, 1992. This is another unidentified person. A body of an African-American man who was probably about 20 to 30 years old was found in the alley behind the Cecil. Police say he had either fallen, jumped, or been pushed from the hotel's 15th floor. 
And again, this is just their guesstimation because they don't know for sure. They yeah. just found him in the alley. But he has also never been identified. And this was 1992. That's interesting. It's just the repeat of the jumping. Yeah. It's very concerning. Just a little bit. So our 15th death to take place here is probably the most famous. This happened February 19th, 2013. Elisa Lam was a 21-year-old Canadian tourist who was making her way down the west coast to San Diego. She was found dead in the water tank after being missing for several days. Guys, I'm being vague on purpose. I promise you this is literally the next case that I'm coming to cover is Elisa Lam. Yeah. But I wanted you guys to fully get a feel of the hotel to understand how strange the Lisa Lamb case is. The Cecil is just strange in general. It's just a black hole. We're not even done. We still have one more. Jeez. So our final one that we know about. Mind you, these are all things that we know about that have been reported on that we're well aware of. Yeah, things could have been swept under the rug somewhere. Exactly. So this was June 13th, 2015. Another unidentified body was found. The body of a 28-year-old unidentified man was found outside of the hotel. And some people think that he committed suicide by jumping out of the hotel. Although a spokesperson for the county coroner's office had told the LA Times that they were unsure of the cause of death. And he still remains to be identified. Jeez. Three unidentified bodies. The last three. Well, close. Except for Lisa Lamb. Yeah, close to the last three. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. And all from jumping out of the window. This place is seriously cursed. It literally has earned the title of The Suicide. Yeah. So while they weren't murders exactly, there were also some other weird things that had gone on. At one point, Elizabeth Short was a guest at the hotel. And if you don't know who Elizabeth Short is... She is also known as the Black Dahlia. She was murdered in 1947 in Los Angeles, and she had reportedly stayed at the Cecil right before her mutilation, which again remains unsolved, and which again, I will cover this case at some point. But yeah. Wow. The fact that she had stayed at the Cecil. Doesn't feel like a coincidence. It really doesn't. With all this history, yeah, it doesn't feel like a coincidence. Especially because the Cecil became home to a couple of serial killers. Yeah, I know those facts, and it's so crazy. One of these, though, I knew, and one of these I didn't. And so I've now added it onto my list of people that we will eventually cover. Okay. So I think the one that everyone knows is Richard Ramirez. The Night Stalker. I hate calling serial killers by their pseudonyms. It just gives them, like, this ego. BTK? No, that's Dennis. He named himself, which, That's why I will not call him that. His name is Dennis. I'm gonna cover a case over him uh, coming up very soon, actually. And we will call him Dennis the whole time. I also, the fact that he didn't like his name also makes yeah. me want to call him that more. But, uh, yeah, he named himself. Um, yeah, for me, I will always reference when talking about a serial killer in a case, like, here's the name that they got, but I will not fucking call them that name. Yeah. Mm-mm. You don't get to be glorified because you murdered multiple people in a row. No, you fuckwit. You get the name that you were given at birth. There you go. You live with that, you piece of shit. Anyways. (laughs) So, Richard Ramirez stayed here. Richard Ramirez, again, was known as the Night Stalker, and he had murdered 13 people. He lived in a room on the top floor of the Cecil during his killing spree in San Francisco, because he had gone, like, L.A., San Francisco, L.A., 
Which, again, we'll cover this whole case, I promise. That's a really long drive, though. Well, when you're fleeing the cops... I mean, fair. It's just a really long drive. I've made that drive. Well, close to it. Yeah. (laughs) So after killing someone, Richard would throw his bloody clothes into the Cecil's dumpster. And then just, like, walk away naked or just in underwear. And, like... Because why not? And it was the 80s. Like, what are they going to do? So I guess Ramirez had only paid, like, $14 a night to stay there. Wow. I wish... I wish hotel stays would cost $14 Right? That night. would be so fucking nice. That would be great. I travel all the fucking time. So moving on to our second serial killer is Austrian serial killer. And I'm going to try to say... And I'm going to try to say the last name. Jack Wintenweger? Okay. Who, trigger warning, would strangle prostitutes with their own bras. Okay. That's a... Not a new one, but something I haven't heard in a while. Yeah. He would often refer to the hotel as home. Gross. And it was rumored that he chose to stay at the hotel because of its connection to Ramirez. Okay. I mean, it's also on Skid Row, so... I was going to say also the fact that he had prime pickings of anyone he wanted because of the environment. And it's the whole, which I think is bullshit, the whole idea of, like, they're less dead because they had, like, a dangerous life. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. No, no. No. They're still a person. Nay, nay. That's not how jobs work. (laughs) Today, the Cecil is known as the Stay on Main. After being renamed in 2011, it holds 299 hotel rooms and 301 single-room occupancy residencies. In 2017, it was named a historical landmark, and that same year, it had closed for renovations. And it hasn't really opened as a hotel yet. Uh-huh. Like, there are some long-term residents there. But it's... I don't think it's opened as a hotel yet. I heard that it's supposed to open soon, or that it just opened, or something. We'll yeah. have to look into it for sure, but... Yeah, because doing research on it, it had originally said it was going to open in 2019. That didn't happen. Yeah. And then it said again in late 2021... That didn't happen. And then I had literally looked it up, and it said it was not open. Okay. However, on TikTok, I think his name is Pete Montin? Montiques? I don't know. He's a regular-sized person, and his mom's a tiny person, and I love his content. Oh, but yeah. But he lives across, like, in an apartment across the street from the Cecil. Yeah. And literally, like, this weekend was talking about all the chaos that was going on there. I'll put his name down below so everyone can see, but it's like Pete something on TikTok. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Wow. I don't know. I know. So I know you've walked past it um, during a trip to LA before. Yeah. And I know that you felt a lot from it. Um, It legit wouldn't let me cross the street. I was just like, I am going to stay right here. And our friend was like, do you want to go closer? I was like, no. No, I'm good. I'm just I'm just going to stay here. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, no, can we go now? I really want to see what I would get off of it. Like, I mean, I have a feeling if you couldn't even go near it, I probably won't be able to. But... Well, so it also doesn't help that the entire area around it is highly charged just because it is Skid Row and known for so much violence and criminal activity. Yeah. There's just so much energy going on in general, but you can just feel it pulsing off of the hotel. Well, the thing is, I'm curious to see if there's anything that I can see because you are more auditory as to where I get more visual like apparitions. So I wonder if there would be any shadows or anything that I would see. Hmm. I don't know. I just feel like something very negative is there. I mean, clearly if people are checking in and a week later, then jumping out of 
windows. Oh, 100%. Yeah. No. That doesn't make any sense, but here we are. Yeah. With all these people jumping out of windows. Here, yeah, you know, uh, how many do we have now? Four? Let's see. Let's count how fast. Eight. Not including the baby who was thrown out the window. So, half of them. Half. Legit half. Half of these deaths were due to either falling, being pushed, or throwing themselves out of a window from the 7th, 8th, ninth, 12th, and 15th floors. Yeah, and like the 12th and 15th felt like anomalies, but definitely yeah. that ninth floor, there's something there's going on there. There's three yeah. off the three ninth Three of the floor. nine, so literally a third like what? of all the jumpers jumped off the ninth floor. That is called consistency. Yeah, no. Thanks, I hate it. And that is the Cecil. Well, thank you for terrifying us with that. You're welcome. I Like I said earlier, it felt important to set up the scene of exactly what's going on at the Cecil and why it's such a charged area and why people think so many nefarious things happened in the Lisa Lamb case. All right, speaking on that, maybe I should just skip it because you already gave us a horrifying fact when no, we no. started. No, no, no. So, okay, bye. No, 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 no. Are you ready for nay, nay. this disturbing fact? Nay, nay, but you are going to tell me anyways. <laughs> Do you want a birthday one or something related to blinking? Those are fucking weird-ass options. Um, blinking, I guess? Okay. Every time you blink, someone dies. Oh, that's just sad. I know. <laughs> but oh. there was a lot of death in this one, so I thought that this was, like... I like it. Yeah. I mean, I don't like it, but... I mean, at least it wasn't something that Eight was gonna, so. like... <laughs> hey, Picasso. I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, if you like whatever the fuck this is, be sure to head over to our Instagram. Our Instagram is WTF is that pod. Over there, you will find the link to our link tree and all of our goodies. Just a reminder, we are now everywhere that podcast lives. So be sure to like, review, follow, subscribe, push all of those buttons and it would make us super, super happy. And with that, maybe don't blink and maybe no one else in the world will die. I don't know. I hate to tell you that's not how it works. That's how it will work in my dreamland brain. Bye. 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 Bye.